Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. Uh, I have alongside me my co-host and my friend, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you? I am doing well, Grant. Uh, it was a fun weekend of college football. I was glad to get back into the Carter, uh, where I had not been since uh, last season, and the weather was great. And guess what? I didn't get sunburned. So, you know, there there's silver linings uh, everywhere. There are. Uh, Parker and I went to that game together and wound up using the free t-shirts as blankets for our thighs because we were both pasty and did not want to get sunburned uh, sitting the, in, the, yeah. in the bleachers. The guy uh, behind us kept talking about how cold it was going to get. He's like, "You're going to need a, you're going to need a sweater soon here." And I was like, "Dan, I don't think you know what cold is, old man." <laughs> yeah, it was decidedly not cold. Sweltering, I would almost say, in the uh, in the third and fourth quarter there. Uh, also, shout out to the dude that was wearing an A and M shirt at that game. Uh, he was super nice, nice. Yeah, he was super nice. Yeah, uh, those are the only good things I have to say about the TCU Texas Tech game. Uh, I think I'm I have a cold after that. So if if I if you hear me sniffling throughout this podcast that's why i'll try to do it off mic but parker uh another loss and another loss that feels like it easily could have been a win yes so that's kind of the question did tcu play a bad game against texas i I don't think the answer is i guess i could answer that question more directly i think the answer is no they didn't play a bad game I really don't think it. I really don't think it is, Grant. If you look at EPA per play on offense, zero point zero seven for TCU, zero point zero eight for the pass, zero point zero six for the rush. Texas was zero point one one, but they had a negative EPA of passing and they had a zero point one eight EPA rushing. So, like, obviously, we'll talk about the rushing. But this is a five point game, and um, there's a lot of volatility here. So, of course, you have to take out like TCU got a touchdown off of a big. Um, special teams play and so that kind of discounts like how did they play overall well they got the ball in the 15 so they scored texas got handed a penalty and um scored some points off of that and also had to completely refigure tcu's defensive secondary because of that for the rest of the game and that really mattered um and then there was another um another uh a special teams turnover that gave yeah yeah Yeah, that gave tcu some problems special teams evened it out i mean you could say but i mean TCU got the ball to 15. Texas got the ball closer, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, it was just – it was an evenly matched game, I think. I mean, I think TCU – if you'd have showed me the, the, the stat line before the game and said, hey, did TCU win this game or not? I mean, outside of Bijan Robinson, I, I I would think they had a shot. Yeah, that's like a, um, an oddly – oddly optimistic thing that we've been able to do this year is like with the offense, I think we expected, Hey, the offense was going to be the thorn in the side of this team. And it really, it hasn't, man. Um, they, they've been fine. Like they could do better. And I think there's qualms about play design and everything. But before we go down too many rabbit holes, Grant, you called in person on Saturday, something about the special teams. Um, and I went yes. and looked it up and wanted to back that up. So t- tell me what you, like you pointed this out, like second quarter. Yeah. When, so Spielman caught that first, kickoff return and took it back down and then Spielman was lined up on the right side you know if, if, if you're on TCU he's lined up on the right and Amari DiMarcado was lined up on the left and Texas adjusted and kicked it to DiMarcado on that left side for the remainder of the game it was only until at least late in the third quarter that TCU began to switch Spielman over but they did it mid-kick right so like as as I think Cameron Dicker still Texas's kicker was running up Spielman went back behind DeMarcado, and I think fielded one more kickoff. But they TCU didn't adjust 
and Dicker's a good enough kicker to kick the ball accurately to DiMarcato every time. And it just it frustrated me that they didn't make that adjustment very clearly when obviously Spielman's the best return man. Yeah, so I went and looked up this this specifically. Um, Texas uh, Texas kicked it for a touchback all but twice, and one of those times Spielman caught it in the end zone and brought it out for eighteen yards. So it was in the end zone. The only time he didn't, he kicked it to De Mercado, who took it back uh, to the oh gosh, what nineteen to the twenty five yard line. So TCU yeah. after that first touchdown. Texas was able to say, "Hey, field position is not playing an issue in this game. We're gonna, you're, you're gonna get no, no better than a touchback for the rest of the game." And and they did that. Um, and so I think that was huge because again, if I was game planning against TCU, I would say I want them to have to put together long sustained drives against me, um, and I'm not gonna let them get that big touchdown. So like, if I'm a Texas fan, right, looking at this game. I'm thinking this is a little closer to like 29-20, 32-20, just because TCU, ah, it's first game to play the game, they're amped. Like, I don't put a ton of stock and faith in that there. Yeah, I guess, but I, I also think that I, I, Texas benefited so much from TCU shooting itself in, in their own foot. I mean, you, you look at the the muffed punt, um, you look at the stupid trickeration play that led to a fumble, both with the same player, but I like that player, but whatever, I mean... So, I mean, you can blame Max by not having a pocket awareness for that fumble that he had. You could also blame the offensive line for letting the guy through. There was just a lot of shooting themselves in their own foot. When a kid gets behind the wheel of a car, you don't blame no, we, the kid. We, <laughs> you, you blame the 30-year-old woman who says, drive, kid. I believe in you. Um, yeah, TC actually was positive on uh, – that can't be right. This is wrong. I'm not saying that out loud. That TCU can't be right. Offensive penalty EPA. TCU offensive coordinator Pam Beasley. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Uh, special teams EPA, Texas is actually positive. Um, and then you really can't, like, the value of that penalty that Texas had really is hard to quantify that with EPA. Uh, uh, no, I was just, I was so amped to talk about this, and I didn't mean to cut Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought that yeah, was like yeah, a prediction. No, I, know, I, I apologize, Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, finish um, your, finish your So let's, let's, let's talk about that penalty, because I'm sure those of you who are watching this on TV knew, saw this better in real time. It was very confusing in the stadium what was happening there. Um, that was probably a 10-point swing in expected points, because Texas just failed a third-down conversion, and they went for a punt return. Now, TCU didn't have the right personnel out and was trying to call a timeout. But TCU was not charged for that timeout. And that timeout instigated a review on a play that was not flagged, which feels a little bit like double jeopardy here. Like you can't, if if you don't make a call in person, just because play stopped, you're not allowed to penalize the team by we're going to review a play just for the hell of it. So either Texas challenged it, which I don't think you can challenge if it's not flagged, or... I, like I don't understand what yeah. happened there. That 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 was that was ridiculous. And the hit I'm borderline on. I don't think that's the kind of call that targeting should be throwing people out for. Um, and I think that like just because a guy is shorter than another guy, you you have to tackle him. I I don't know. So I'm I'm never one that's like oh they should play football the right way and you know we should right. uh, you know these kids are soft or whatever. And I'm saying like that's that's a pretty big hit. It probably hurt. It it didn't look dangerous. And at the very least, is it was not worth throwing someone out of the game for. No, and I hate arguing targeting. Like I, it, it, it just gets so reductive. But that call was borderline enough that it may, and it happened, and then it made TCU, like you said, rearrange its entire defensive backfield to where TJ Carter, 
who was going to play an integral role in that game, played a total of 12 snaps. And that means that TCU has to bring in Caesar for more than they'd like to. Uh, Nick Bradford uh, and Noah Daniels making his triumphant return from the field were, were shifting around. Um, Hodges Thompson obviously kind of stayed on their number one, but Lakinja Van Zant was shifting around to cover holes. And it, it, it Davion Armstead had to play 33 snaps. I don't think that was the game plan coming in, if I had to guess. Uh, Josh Foster played 16. So Carter's absence just created this gaping hole in the TCU secondary. And Parker, as we talked about, I think bef- in our SMU preview, if you have a hole in the defense, it affects all other 10 players on that defense. And with yeah. Carter's absence, it created that hole, and TC was left to scramble for the rest of the game. Yeah, and and the, the issue there, too, is like Casey Thompson basically had done nothing up into that, and that was going to be two straight drives where Casey Thompson had completed one pass, and it was going to be a three and out. Texas was going to punt from their own seven. Uh, and then we get Texas first and 10, and then a, um, as so often happens kind of play where Casey Thompson gets a big run, and then, you know, the momentum happens and, and, and Texas scores. And so what should be a, um, at least six to seven TCU Texas, uh, or sorry, 10 to three TCU Texas lead right there, uh, it turns into a 10 to seven Texas lead because they got life anew and, and were able to break off a couple big plays. Um, I, I mean that, that that's really the story here is is that drastically changed the outcome and they played close and so Grant that kind of leads me to, to to my comment that this was TCU's best case scenario they did everything that they could have to lined up this went exactly the way they wanted and they they still came up short and it's not a hundred percent on the referees I'm not I'm not doing saying that no, me neither. it's me not neither. not percent on that but but overall it just feels like as a program TCU got their best shot at Texas and they still could not get a stop in the run game when it mattered. Excuse me. Yeah, I think the only quibble I have with that, Parker, is that I believe we said during our preview, or at least I thought it certainly, was TCU's game plan should be to make Casey Thompson beat them. And Casey Thompson didn't yep. do anything. I mean, he, he nope. didn't really show much during that game. Uh, TCU was wholly unable to stop B. John Robinson. Just a complete defensive breakdown at a lot of levels. I mean, that third and six play that clinched the game for Texas is one of those things where it's like, hey, you're a supposedly defensive team. You know exactly what they're going to do. Um, they're going to give it to their best player, and they did, and then the guy got seven yards or eight or however many he got. Yeah. So it, it that's, that's the only quibble I'll have is that TCU should have turned this game into, hey, we'll make Casey beat us, and it said it was, we're going to let Bijan beat us. Yep, absolutely. Casey Thompson, 54.7 QBR, completed just over 50% of his passes. Um, a, a, a lackluster showing from him. And uh, what, what I think is really interesting is um, the longest run Bijan ha- Robinson had was 27 yards. And he yeah. had 216 total yards on 35 carries. Like the dude was just ripping off chunk runs left and right. There was no stopping him. And so these people on, you know, be. Analysts on Twitter want to be like, oh, yeah, well, the safety's run fits are bad. It's like, yeah, the safety's run fits are bad because the line was getting blown back and there was no chance to make attack. Like, there was no disruption. Um, if I'm looking at negative plays, like stops, havoc, uh, havoc rate, TCU had six havoc plays, uh, only two in the rush game. So only twice did they kind of did they get Texas in the backfield or a negative stop on the uh, in the in the rushing game just absolutely I mean what we saw last week carried over and, and they really could not stop that run game at all Texas was successful uh, or sorry EPA per rush was uh, 
0.18 in the run game, and their success rate was, let me see, uh, I believe 68. So I'm looking up something else too, but I, I believe you. Yeah, I believe 68 was their success rate, which is just, um, it's just not good. That's that's too much. No. That's way too much. Yeah, uh, Bijan had an average yeah. yards after contact of 3.77 per rush. TCU did not tackle him during this game. Uh, yeah, and the thing about it, too, Parker, <clears throat> as you said, I mean, it, it wasn't he's just breaking into daylight on every play. It's, hey, like, you know, it, it reminds me of a really good boxer that wins fights on points. You know what I mean? Like, he'll land a couple brutal stomach punches, and, and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll clock you around a little bit. He didn't win by knockout. It, maybe a better analogy would be a UFC fighter that just smothers you. But it, it's he very clearly controlled that contest from start to finish. And while there were moments yeah. it looked like he might land a knockout blow, instead he's like, you know what, I'm going to take this to five rounds, and I'm going to have the belt at the end of it. Like, there was at no point yeah. was TCU close to stopping him. No, and, and it's it's interesting, Grant, because remember last week what SMU did was run up the A-gap so much, and that was where yeah. they got a lot of their money. And Texas didn't even do that. Texas' most uh, – their, their, their most attacked area with Bijan was the left end, and so they were kind of running that zone read where they just let Bijan go find the guy who was getting blown out, and it just happened to be the left end and, and right. really, really challenged some fits there. Um, and so that's, that's hard. Uh, 7.6 yards per attempt off the left end. There is, they did have 11, uh, 11 yards per attempt in that middle right, like center guard on the right side. But that's, there, there was one outlier that was um, 27. And so that kind of drags uh, 27 yeah. yards. That kind of drags the, the total up there. But um, uh, again, we're just looking at it's It's not even that the defense was, defense is generally fine in the pass game. Like what we wanted to talk yeah. about was how are they going to replace our Darius Washington uh, and Trevon Merrick. And generally they've been able to do what they want to do. I think last year, the ability of Merrick in run fits was so good that it masked some failures in the front six. And we are seeing not as good cleanup ability in the run game from the secondary. And we are seeing yeah. those front six exposed, which um, is just uh, absurd. I don't, I don't want to read grades for the sake of reading grades. No, but if you I look at you some mean. of these guys... So one, looking at snap counts, um, Colt Ellison really didn't play at all. Earl Barquette only had five snaps. George Ellis had 20. Um, Kenny Turnier didn't even play. I don't know what the heck's going on with that. But if you look at the guys who did play, Patrick Jenkins had a uh, 51.3 rush grade. Patrick Jenkins missed three tackles. Uh, Dylan Horton had a 64 uh overall grade Terrell Cooper 62 in fact nobody on TCU uh, except Jamoy Hodge had a better than 70 run game uh, and he only played or, or sorry uh, defensive grade he only played 35 snaps not what you want and Parker you you said something there that, that really kind of highlighted I think what TCU's problems are which is that SMU beat TCU going up the middle and Texas beat TCU going around the end and either way I don't feel confident in TCU's ability to stop the run uh, be, be, because no matter how a team attacks TCU, they're going to find success pushing them around uh, up front. You know, if, if it was yeah. if it was every game, hey, they're just blown up the middle on us. All right, well, that's like an easily identifiable adjust and try to fix, right, or, or rotate some new players right. in. But when teams are having success doing either, that's a cause for concern. The defensive line had – the defensive interior for TCU had seven – no, 
just four tackles uh, of TCU's 52. And if you include Mathis uh, in that, then they had uh, seven tackles total out of TCU's 52. So just absolutely nothing happening um, up front at all. Not good. Uh, And no, and and, and that's just just depressing, really. That's what it comes down to is like, I have complaints about how they fit the run. I have complaints about, look, it's good to see Noah Daniels getting out there. And I hope he gets what he needs. And I wish that we could have done this episode in the spring and figured out how he could have started since day from day one. But TC's pass defense isn't, I mean, it, it is. So one, it's bad and, and they have to cover for it, but they're doing a decent enough job covering for it. The, the front line should be good enough that, that they shouldn't look this bad uh, when they're exposed just a little bit. Good to see Kari Coleman back too, for the record. Uh, hopefully he plays a yeah, large yeah. role going forward and is healthy. Um, yeah. I mean, you look, I mean, it's, is it a good thing when your cornerback leads the team in tackles? It seems and, bad. And, but... and THC got put on skates too, playing safety, which was just he gross. Did. Like that was really in the second half. The, the couple of their big passes were, um, were, were, were Tomlinson playing safety, which is, I mean, he's super athletic, but also that's super hard to ask a guy to shift over yeah. position in the middle of the game and, and do all that. So, so, so one, we kind of get this unwinding, right? We get... Carter goes out. They bring Daniels in for the second half. I think clearly they were holding him out for the first half for for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. And and in the second half, they just were, were trying things, and it just wasn't it just wasn't working because they couldn't get the stop at the rush. And if you can't stop the rush, then you've got to cover for the rush, and then you get exposed in the pass. So I don't know what about Trevius Hodges Tomlinson's career made them think that safety and run fitting was going to be something that he would be able to switch and do in the middle of the game. But yeah. uh, here we are. Yeah, here we are. Uh, maybe play your best cover corner at cover corner. Um, let's talk about the offense for a minute, Parker. Uh, okay. Zach Evans is really good. Uh, uh, Zach Evans is extremely talented, and TC's yeah. offensive line is continuing to get out of the offense's way. Yes, correct. Um, uh, they, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Give me the details. Well, I just generally they 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 didn't do there wasn't anything extremely boneheaded um, from the offensive line this game, uh, and if you look at TCU's alignment and rushing directions with Evans, they were able to go uh, that inside zone and that outside zone. Like he actually was better than Bijan in his um, kind of straight up run. So thirteen point yeah. seven yards per attempt uh, through that a gap that center guard. And then 10.5 yards per attempt when he when he busted it back to the left side. Um, 7.5 overall, really really good. And I do understand people saying we should give him the ball more, but I don't know that the the game here wasn't TCU didn't get one more score. So there was that drive where TCU punted early on, and. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Duggan just made a, a, an extremely boneheaded play. It was wide open. It was like third That's and five. All the, he, he should have thrown it. He should have tucked it. He was running. And at the last second, he thought, there's Zach. I should get him the ball. And he flinched and just made a bad decision. Um, and, and that really, that one killed what, what a driver they had. Um, you know, they got past interference and kind of had moved down. And they, they, they really, I wish they would kind of gone for the jugular earlier. And that kind of stalled it. So... Um, uh, aside from that, there's the fumble, which, uh, you put on coaching, right? And so TCU yes. has run for the, the, that, that drive is the one that really irks me, right? 
First and 10 for the 25. They run for six yards with Evans. They run for 15 yards with Evans. They run for one yard with Evans. And then they run a triple reverse that's nine yards in the backfield. Like, it's it's the same thing as at Oklahoma last year where they moved the ball super well. And then they ran the monster formation and threw a 15-yard pass to Carter Ware where the quarterback almost got killed because they didn't line up and block anyone. And then, oh, it's, you know, second and 15. It's the same thing. It's like, you're moving the ball. You don't need a trick play. When your defense is making, or when your opponent is making mistakes, don't interrupt them. Yeah, it, and, and that, that's ultimately it. Is like, hey, Texas just marched down the field ninety nine yards, but also that was because uh, they had a penalty that extended a third down. Like up until that point in the game, up into four minutes, five, five minutes in the first quarter, TCU clearly outplaying Texas. Um, Texas got held to a field goal, and they got stopped in their own goal line, and then gifted a fresh set of downs. Uh, I just don't understand why. Again, we could just, I don't want to keep going macro. I don't want to keep hitting my head against no, the wall, but it's like, why, why are we here in 2021 with Doug Meacham as the offensive coordinator of TCU? Like, there's so many people in the world who know about offense, and TCU is so fixated on this one year where the rest of the conference was a little bit down and they were in the national conversation for real that, th- that it seems like there's no imagination about, like, what could we, what could we be outside of, you know, Trevon Boykin to Josh Jackson. What what yeah. could TCU be outside of that? There's no vision for that. And, and I, I want to make sure that we're not being um, like too results based in our analysis. If that reverse had worked, it still would have been a dumb play call. Like that that pass that Bo yes. Nix threw last night against LSU. Stupid, dumb, ridiculously dumb. It worked. So it was cool, but it was dumb. So even if you still yeah. call that play, it's like, hey, like you know what? You're marching the ball down the field. You have the chance to really like. Like you said, go for the jugular, and instead they try to do trickeration when they don't need it. It's it smacked of desperation. It's smacked of, oh my God, something's working. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Let's try to do some BS that we had planned to do when we were down 14 to 3 in this game, instead of being, I think, up 7 to 6 at the time, maybe, or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it smacked of desperation, and I hated it. It's, um, and, and, and you kind of wonder how many times they've actually practiced that reverse. Because uh, either it's it's too many, right, or it's not even close to enough for them to call it and say, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna run this." So that was generally pretty frustrating, um, just in terms of play calling. And then again, I liked that they got they they they, they seem to do. I understand their cautiousness and and tra- trusting Max. Max was two for three on deep balls, um, and then he was three uh, four for six on balls zero to ten. And so the majority of what they were doing was kind of in short around moving. Some of that was checking down, but they didn't really go vertically. And so I, I think that's a little bit of an overcorrection from SMU. But I do, I will give credit to say like, hey, we know what kind of throws Max Duggan can make. We shouldn't make him, we shouldn't ask him to, to go on the run. We shouldn't ask him to go uh, deep into his right on the run. Like, and, and so it does seem like they're correcting a little a little bit. You'd like to see them figure out a way to get get guys the ball a little bit more downfield, but especially with Quentin Johnson going out at the halftime, um, it's not like there was. There's only so much you can do with the receiving yeah. core when your best receiver goes out and your running back is tired. Sure. Weirdly, with Max, he, he was better under pressure than not in this game, which is an anomaly for him. He was four for four for sixty six yards when under pressure and and the touchdown. Uh, but I don't get that because he very clearly that 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 play that he made that really bad throw was he was under pressure and he scrambled, 
And so they called that a designed run or an RPO or something. I don't, I don't understand I think, how PFF tags that. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. Uh, to be fair, he, like there was no one around him mm. when he threw it, which again is why he should have ran it. But um, yeah, I mean, his eight off of this game was six point eight. You'd like to see a little deeper than that. Um, again, can I read you what's most concerning to me about yeah, about all ahead. of this? Sure. Uh, Quentin Johnson's targets by game: Duquesne oh, no. seven, Cal nine, SMU five with no receptions, Texas three with three receptions. Um, there, there, there is an argument. I think I want to ask your opinion about the Zach Evans and not getting him the ball and him being um, tired or whatever it is. But TCU can't get the ball to its best receivers. Um, no, and I don't know no. if that's, hey, we want Quentin to go downfield. And if we can't throw the downfield ball, then he's just not going to get the ball kind of obstinance. Or if that's TCU can't imagine a world where Quentin gets it. I feel like he did a jet sweep in the first game yeah. against Duquesne. Yeah, and they haven't did. gone back yeah. to that. And I'm saying just like, if we want a guy in space, bring him in at the Y and don't throw a pass. Don't throw a crossing route to Carter Ware. Like, again, we like Carter. Carter has a specific role. Yes. His yeah, role yeah. is not getting the ball with any frequency. Um, but, like, get Quentin Johnson the ball in space and, and move him around. And so that that was kind of frustrating, too, that it felt like either it was Quentin was getting the ball super downfield or he's not getting the ball at all. Right. And, and you look at offenses that maximize talent. Um even if that talent's five star or one star or whatever, they they maximize their best player and, and, and put them in roles. Um, I, I hate to do it. You, you look at what Sark did at Alabama with Devontae Smith. He wasn't always your outside guy. You know, right. they line him up in the slot. They line him up kind of you know in, in the middle of, of a trio set and just scheme to get him the ball. And with Q, with Quentin, it's always like, all right, man, you're gonna go run your out and hopefully you beat the guy because uh, yeah, not we got nothing for you. So yeah, and, and <clears> that's what's frustrating is I mean. There are so many offenses where they disguise their best player, and TCU always just says, "Hey, these are our best players, and if you're covering them, well, uh, we're, we're out of ideas." Yeah, and 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 look, Darius had eight targets, Zach had five, Tay Barber had four. Like TCU should be extremely multiple, but it just feels like they can't get anyone going. Yeah, and it seems crazy that. Um, I don't know, Grant. Can I? May I? Uh, may I? May I go negative? Um, no. Remember last year? Remember last year against Louisiana Tech when the line we heard was like, "Oh, Chase Curtis is really good. That's why we got him in here, or whatever." And uh, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. And you just think about little things like that that stick in your mind and say, "Okay, so last year you were um, putting in random players who had no contribution to your future whatsoever, and then talking them up." Well, a guy like Savion Williams is wasted this year. Um, yeah. A guy like J.D. Spielman is not getting integrated back into the offense. And so TCU, again, extreme lack of foresight into what how to build and grow and develop an offense. It's like they're not getting these guys involved. And then this year they basically thrown Savion out there and been like, oh, man, you, you missed a couple routes? Like, whatever. Okay. I, I was glad to see Savion had a really good block at one point he that did. busted yeah. up a, a first down run and hey. see him getting excited or whatever. But... And I will give credit where credit is due. Great play design. Yeah, Trust with the crack back and everything. Back. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And he's a big body. Like that's great. Yeah. I just mean, Grant, how uh, oh, how much mean. football do you how much how much football do you watch a week? How many games a week do you think you watch NFL and college combined? Uh, six. Right. Games. I'm, I'm in that range. I'm probably I'm probably a little probably a little more. Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. from writing about it and stuff. Well, but, you're a dork. Okay. I'm I'm a huge dude. I have no friends. And I, I don't um, have the NFL network, so that, that precludes me. The the big deal here for me is like 
how many offenses do you see? Like, how many different offensive concepts can you think of that NFL and college teams use to get the ball to guys? And how many does TCU use? Because TCU uses about four. Um, and TCU has not once this season played around with the formation. Um, we've seen a little bit of 20. We've seen a little bit of diamond, but nothing like a sustained. We have an attack out of this. It is exactly the same as last year. It's we're pulling plays out of a hat, right? There's no like sequence design that's really affecting anything here. And so um, I know we've kind of talked ourselves into some negativity about the offense. Like the offense played well enough. It could have been better. The the, the rushing defense is, is what's really bad here against Texas. And that's what really bodes poorly for, I mean, TCU going forward is like, if you're designed to win games by one, because of your defense and your defense is fundamentally flawed from a roster composition level. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? I, I agree. The last thing I will say, and then we'll move into kind of uh, a general wrap up in the big 12 look around. Uh, if we run rails again, I'm going to throw something against the wall. We knew uh, it. We, we, you see it. You're like, it's a screen. We know it's a screen. It's just, it's they a know screen it's a screen. Or it's just an inside zone. One and, of the two. But, and but yet we still run the screen. <laughs> we still run the screen. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not an offensive coordinator, but I know how math works. I don't think screens work out of rails. You don't have the angle of attack when you're blocking. Anyway, yeah, you also definitely don't have plus numbers. So I don't understand no, throwing a screen. I, and I, it's, yeah. It's every time, man. It's every time. Uh, Parker, it, this, this, is, um, this is an observation bias, but like we, we complain more about the offense because we both know more about the offense. I want to say right. in terms of magnitude, the defense is a freaking mess. Maybe we'll get Vass on here. If they, if they struggle against Texas Tech, maybe I'll talk to Vass and see if we can get him on here to talk about TC's defense being bad. Or maybe he and I can do a special episode or something, a deep dive, just to like somebody who knows more about defense because it's really, really bad. It's, it's not good. Um, Parker, what are your final thoughts on the Texas game? Um, it's a disappointing loss, but it was an expected loss. I think that a lot of people interpreted the events of the last week in light of Gary Patterson having a magic trick up his sleeve where he can always beat Texas. Um, and it, it appears that that trick doesn't just happen, right? It appears that that's not just some magical Gary Patterson superpower where he can beat Texas when, when we don't think he's going to. Um, and, and I think that's a real blow to kind of my five-year, 10-year view of, of the program and, and how things might proceed. I think that's fair. Uh, I will say uh, on, a, on a slightly uplifting note before I give the actual thoughts, uh, it was nice being back in the Carter and seeing it full. Uh, that's, yeah. not a, that's not a statement on COVID-19 precautions. It was really cool to be back in a, like a football stadium with a good atmosphere and a packed crowd. And uh, I, I, it was awesome, man. I had a great experience, even though we, we, we lost. Well, it was great up until about Bijan converted that third and six. I was like, oh, right. We, we lost this game. But um, it did it did have a feel. Of, I had the feel of like stupid optimism most of oh, the game. It was 14 um, to but, 13. It was 14 to 13 TCU. And I turned to you and said, if if we win this game, I'm going to be the most obnoxious human being in the world. <laughs> uh, and then, well, they didn't win. Uh, but no, it was, as you said, it was an expected loss. It, I didn't bet on this game or give financial advice on this game but if i would have i would have said don't bet on this game and if you would bet bet texas uh, it it's it sucks and it kind of dampens my view on the rest of the year because this was a game where it wouldn't have redeemed all the ridiculous bull crap that happened last week but it would have at least given a little bit of hope for the rest of the season on the football field to say hey 
TCU can kind of write the course a little bit, pull off games, you know, that are 50-50 or 60-40, whatever, and win those games. And now, well, TCU hasn't done that, and it'll be hard to see if they do moving forward. Um, yeah. Do you want to go to the rest of the Big 12 real quick? Yeah, let's uh, let's do a little whip round. I'll pull up some uh, some scoreboards here. Grant, I, I just wish that someone all along had told us that uh, Baylor's offense being good against Texas State and Kansas wasn't indicative uh, Texas Southern, rather, and, and Kansas wasn't indicative of, of what we thought uh, thought about Baylor. Yeah, I wish someone had told me that. Uh, Oklahoma State 24, Baylor 14. The Bears are no longer undefeated in Oklahoma State. I believe Oklahoma are the only two undefeated teams left in the Big 12. Parker, I can't wait to see what happens in Bedlam this year. So many things can happen. <laughs> um, that's a deep track. Uh, is Oklahoma State... Sneakily decent? No, I don't think they're that good. Now, they'll they'll beat TCU, but I don't think they're that good. Somebody has to win games in the Big Twelve. It's going to be Texas. That's, that's where we're going. Point. But like, right? Somebody has to win games, and I'm not I'm not impressed. Like my opinion of TCU basically stayed the same. My opinion of Texas pumped the brakes against TCU. Um, yeah, because I don't just, think they'll just, be able to run over everyone. Like if if Texas if I don't think Texas will be able to run like they did against that against everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think Casey Thompson is is as. Oh no, as we'll see. Texas we will see Hudson be. Card again. We will. Uh, Oklahoma thirty-seven, Kansas State thirty-one. Oklahoma continues to win close games that avoids the bugaboo that Kansas State has been on their schedule. Um, I don't know what to make of Oklahoma, man. They're undefeated. They have all the talent in the world, and they continue to make things harder than they need to be. Yeah, this is like that. Uh, there's, you know, it's just like, why can't you just, why can't you just be normal? Why can't you just do yeah. what the other kids do and get an A on your homework? You know, you're smart screen, enough. I think it's the it's yeah. how that meme works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so that that one's kind of weird. I think that Oklahoma is getting um, better in terms of their cohesive teamness, and so I, I expect them to start kind of running away. I'm I'm tempted to put money on uh them minus three against texas but uh we'll see they're only a three-point favorite that's on minus three from circuit today i wonder if i can get that anywhere but um i I thought it'd be seven to five seven seven five or eight or something but yeah excuse me i have to make a phone call uh exactly (laughs) can you tell me how texas tech beat west virginia 23 to 20 yeah so looking at this because this game was wild like i we got to the bar after the game and, and saw this, and I thought, what the heck is happening here? And if you look at the play-by-play, uh, it started out, and, and, and Texas Tech threw an interception, and then West Virginia punted. Texas Tech returns that, uh, or downs it at the 42. So they've got a short field. Um, and then basically, they just run off a couple weird short plays, and then West Virginia fumbled, uh, and, and Texas Tech got a 34-yard field and was able to score. And then from then on, it was like, okay, two short fields and Texas Tech scores. West Virginia is abysmal on offense for circumstances outside of anyone's control. And, uh, and they just uh, basically traded punches for the rest of the game. But, but West Virginia had, had just dug too deep a hole by kind of letting them the, – the, 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 the short field and the fumble. Uh, Texas, dri- Texas Tech's drives after scoring those two touchdowns uh, were punt, field goal, punt, punt, field goal, field goal. Like there was just nothing that they were, they weren't able to consistently move the ball. They've got some athletes. They had so many guys out. It was kind of crazy, but I don't know. Neither of these teams I think is very good. 
Texas Tech lost 70-35 to to Texas last week, and in the new AP poll that just came out, received four, four votes. Yeah, but there's probably, there's probably four writers in Lubbock. There's four people in Lubbock. Uh, Maybe. And They're all journalists. <laughs> the Avalanche Journal has the monopoly on the town of Lubbock. Uh, Brock Purdy threw four touchdowns in the first quarter to beat Kansas. Uh, whatever, man. I stand corrected. Iowa State can score 34 points. It just has to be against Kansas. Uh, Parker, anything else from this weekend? I know a couple big games. Anything strike your eye before we wrap up? Yeah, shout out to Cincinnati for walking into walking yes. in and whooping ass in South Bend. Big fan of that. Huge fan of that. That is Big 12 member Cincinnati uh, showing out against Notre Dame. And top 10 BYU? I'm not sure we're prepared for that um, as a society, but BYU is in the top 10. Uh, now, which is ridiculous. And, and Zach Wilson just won a game with the Jets. So everything's coming up. How, dare, how dare you? You know I'm the world's most uh, casual Titans fan. It's okay. The Texans lost 40 to nothing today. So this is a psyop to get you to forget that Davis Mills had a QBR of 0.8 today, which is the lowest really? in the last three years. Yeah, it's the worst in the last wow. three seasons. Where do you, I can mention this deep enough in the podcast. I started three bills on my fantasy football team today and felt no remorse. They scored 15, 18, and 18 points, respectively. Uh, so I'm all in for that. Georgia, uh, wow. Uh, and Alabama, wow. So we'll see them later. Yeah, I think that's cool. We'll get the rematch there. I mean, like Kentucky's pretty decent, but I don't think that they'll. I don't think they'll no. fight Georgia. And I think that Arkansas very clearly got teams at good times, um, yeah. which doesn't mean they're bad. But, like, again, we're just bad at expectations. Arkansas is probably a top 30 team this year, which they haven't sniffed the last couple of years. Yeah. And so putting them at eighth is just a silly overreaction. I think uh, in terms of the playoff, Stanford losing to uh, – or Stanford beating Oregon gives us uh, a an, uh, much increased likelihood of two Big Ten teams and two uh, SEC teams in the playoff this year. So that's fun. Yeah, that'll, that'll be wonderful. And then the last thing I want to point out is uh, Mississippi State beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M. And that is all I have to say about that. Jim, Oh, wait, one more thing. Jimbo Fisher's making $94 million. Okay, that's I was, all I have to say. About I was going to ask, did he get a did he get a, an extension after that? or Kevin Sumlin has a better record through the same amount of games as Jimbo Fisher. Stop. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. I wish that I could credit rules. whoever pointed that on Twitter. If you find it, I'm crediting that person. I did not Gosh. find it myself. Gosh, I love that. America's a great place. Remember when they were like, hey, we should have been in the playoff last year? (laughs) And they scored 10 points against Colorado. Yeah, I do remember. Yes. Uh, Parker, anything else? It was good to see you this weekend, if nothing else. It was, and honestly, I feel like we're a little low energy tonight because between between the Statso in-laws and the Statso brother-in-law, who's a menace, uh, we just drank a lot this weekend. I'm very tired, and it's it's been a long weekend. (laughs) It is. Also, shout out Melissa and Jamie at the pub. Uh, from oh our, my our gosh, that too. Yeah. It's an absolute blast. Uh, sh- shout, out, shout out to the pub, the unofficial uh, unofficial crappy college bar of uh, Purple Theory Podcast. Purple Theory Podcast. Uh, well, speaking of the Purple Theory Podcast, Parker, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. His name is Parker Fleming. You can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Grant McGalliard. Spelled like a sound with all those vowels. Thank you for liking, reviewing, listening. We met a couple people that listened to the podcast, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, and we'll be back to preview, what is it, Texas Tech? Oh, yikes. Texas Tech and Lubbock coming up on Wednesday night. But other than that, Parker, go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.